It's the North Shore Vineyard Church Audio Podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. So down the podcast, we are in Gospel of John, Part 19. And the title of today's message is How to Stop Grumbling and Complaining and Realize that God is Amazing and Blesses Us with His Great Love, Mercy, and Grace Beyond Anything We Deserve or Can Even Imagine. A long title, but uh, today we're dealing with the issue of grumbling. We find it popping up not only in the Old Testament, but also in the ministry of Jesus as well. The people who heard Jesus and saw his miracles, and yet they found themselves in a disposition of grumbling. (laughs) We're going to try to deal with that today as we look at the words of Jesus, the life of Jesus. So lots of good stuff here. So let's go ahead and head to the talk. Be sure to check us out on the web at northshorevineyard.org. Let's head over to downtown Covington, North Shore Vineyard Church. Thanks for listening. I was going to go with with simple, but I said, you know, why go with this? Let's go with a, a longer title. How to Stop Grumbling and Realizing that God is Amazing and Blesses Us Beyond Anything We Can Imagine or That We Can Even Deserve. That's the title of today's message. <laughs> I, I put it on Twitter. That's the first paragraph. It's kind of like those sentences that Paul writes that go on for uh, half, a, half a chapter. <laughs> We've been in the Gospel of John for a while, and today we're at, in part 19. And so if you, if you got your Bible, you want to... Oh, it's, it's on your outline. I got the title there. Um, Part 19, and and we're going to be reading John chapter 6, verses 36 through 46. And it goes like this. This is Jesus talking. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All all whom the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about Him because He said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can He now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the Son, except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Uh, the passage today, we, we've, we've been talking for weeks about the parallels between the Gospel of John, particularly this part we're looking at, and the Exodus story. And we, we saw that with Jesus, you know, in the, in the Old Testament, we see God feeds the children of Israel with manna in the wilderness. We see in Jesus' day that he feeds all these Israelites who are following him out to the wilderness by doing a miracle of, of, of producing 5,000 loaves, you know, enough food to, to feed 5,000 with a sack lunch. Uh, we see that, that Moses in the Old Testament leads the people of Israel through the Red Sea, and then later Joshua would, would part the Jordan and lead them through that. We see in the New Testament, Jesus 
leads his disciples through a storm, a, a, a horrible storm. He's, he's seen walking on the water, and he gets in the boat, and all of a sudden, boom, the boat's to the other side. Pretty cool, huh? And we see that Jesus, last week what we talked about is Jesus said the whole point of the miracle of feeding the 5,000, it wasn't just to do party tricks. It was a sign. And that sign is pointing at the destination, which is Jesus. Believe in him. And we kind of talked about how that was very parallel to Deuteronomy 8, where God tells the children of Israel, look, the reason I gave you manna all these years and humbled you was to, to, to show you that you don't live by bread alone. It's your relationship with God. That's the thing that you live by. So we see these parallels between Jesus and the Exodus story. They're, they're popping up everywhere. Well, today we see a parallel not with Jesus and the Exodus so much, but with the Israelites in the Exodus story. Because... What do they do after they've seen all these miracles and signs? They start grumbling. And if you read the Exodus story and even Numbers, there's all kinds of places where, you know, one of the words synonymous with the Israelites, no matter how much amazing stuff God does, is they grumble. They complain. Ah! And I, I know it's hard to imagine what that's like because it kind of seems like human beings over the last... 2,000 years have kind of evolved. We don't, we don't grumble or complain anymore. But try to imagine a people who God would be doing amazing things and blessing them in, in, in tremendous ways, and still they would be complaining about it. Well, I think to kind of help us get in the spirit of this, I want to show a little piece uh, uh, from a, a, a guy by the name of... We make sure we're unmuted on this track. Uh, we're going to show a little click, clip from uh, a comedian by the name of Louis C.K., and... Uh, this is some, some insights he has into Back the then, yeah. Those were simpler times, I think. I just feel like we may be going back to that, by the way. But uh, <laughs> in a way, good, because when I read things like the foundations of capitalism are shattering, I'm like, maybe we need that. Maybe we need some time where we're walking around with a donkey with pots clanging on the sides. You, you think know? that would just bring us back to reality? Yeah, because everything is amazing right now, and nobody's happy. Like, in my lifetime... The changes in the world have been incredible. When I was a kid, we had a rotary phone. We had a phone that you had to stand next to, and you had to dial it. Yes. You don't, you don't realize how primitive, you're making sparks <laughs> in a phone, and you actually would hate people with zeros in their numbers, because it was more, it was right. like, oh, this guy's got two zeros, screw that guy, why do I want to, <laughs> And then if, you, if they called and you weren't home, the phone would just ring, lonely, by itself. <laughs> And then if you wanted money, you had to go in the bank for when yes. it was open for like three hours. You had to stay in line, write yourself a check like an idiot. And then when you ran out of money, you'd just go, well, I can't do any more things now. <laughs> I can't do any more That's things. That's it, yeah. That was it. And even if you had a credit card, they, the guy would go, ugh, and he'd bring out this whole shunk, shunk, and he'd write, yes. oh, you have to call the president to see if you have any money. And it's all true, it kids. You had to call the president, yeah. It was ridiculous. Yes. Do you feel that we now, in the 21st century, we take technology for granted? Well, yeah, because now we live in an, in an amazing, amazing world, and it's wasted on the, on the crappiest generation of just spoiled <laughs> idiots that don't care, because this is what people are like now. They got their phone, and they're like, ugh. It won't. Give it a second. Give it, it's going to space. Can you give it a second to get back from space? Is the speed of light too slow? I was on a, I was on an airplane and there was internet, high speed internet on the airplane. That's yes. the newest thing that I know exists. 
and I'm sitting on the plane, and they go, open up your laptop. You can go on the Internet. And it's fast, and I'm watching YouTube clips. It's, I'm in an airplane. And then it breaks down, and they apologize. The Internet's not working. The guy next to me goes, this is bull****. Like, how quickly the world owes him something yes. he knew existed only 10 seconds ago. Right. Right. And on planes... Flying is the worst one, because people come back from flights, and they tell you their story. And it's like a horror story. It's They act like their flight was like a cattle car in the 40s in Germany. That's yeah. how bad they make it sound. Right. They're like, it was the worst day of my life. First of all, we didn't board for 20 minutes. And then we get on the plane, and they made us sit there on the runway for 40 minutes. We had to sit there. Oh, really? What happened next? Did you fly through the air incredibly like a bird? Did you partake in the miracle of human flight, you non-contributing zero? That you got to fly? You're flying! It's amazing! Everybody on every plane should just constantly be going, oh my god! Wow! Yes! You're flying. You're, you're sitting in a chair in the sky. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, but, but it doesn't it doesn't go back a lot and, and it's really you know here's the thing people like they say there's delays on flights yeah. delays really new york to california in five hours that used to take 30 years <laughs> to do that and a bunch of you would die on the way there and have a baby you'd be a whole different group of people by the time you got there <laughs> now you watch a movie and you take a dump in your home yeah well, nicer way to say it than that but yeah <laughs> everything's amazing and nobody's happy does that sound like our world yeah i never get tired of watching that i just wanted an excuse to finally find a message where i could use it uh <laughs> so we see the children of israel the israelites the judeans they're they're gathered around jesus he's doing miracle after miracle They've seen people healed, lame people walk, blind people with sight restored. They've seen a miracle of water being turned into wine, feeding the 5,000 with loaves and fishes that from a boy's sack lunch. It's just everything is amazing. And yet, nah, nah. we know Jesus. He can't be. He can't come from heaven. We, we, see, we know his parents. We saw him grow up. We, we saw him running around our town. He, he can't be God. And Jesus says, Stop grumbling among yourselves. Stop grumbling. I, I, I think about the Exodus story sometimes. I'm thinking all the miracles God did to set them out of Egypt. I mean, did one thing after another. And then when they finally get out, it's like the Egyptians are loading them up with gold and, and cows and, and donkeys. And they've got everything they need. And then, then they get up to the Red Sea and it looks like it's all going to be over. And then, then the Red Sea parts. They get to walk on dry land. And then they get to the other side. And it says within three days, they're already complaining. Three days after that, they're complaining. They're grumbling. And it's not the first time. In fact, do you know that the children of Israel, why it took them 40 years in the wilderness? That wasn't God's initial plan. You know, it wasn't a 40-year journey. 
took him 40 years because God said, you grumbled so much that every one of you adults that came out of Egypt, everyone over the age of 20, none of you are going into the promised land now. The deal's off. The deal is absolutely off because I can't let you go into the promised land because once you got to the promised land, you'd be complaining. You wouldn't even enjoy it. You wouldn't even see it as the promised land. You'd be complaining. He says, no, only people under 20 are getting in and Joshua and Caleb because only those guys trusted me. They saw the land. They saw the problems, but they believed that I would be with them. Stop grumbling. You know, grumbling and complaining, it's toxic, isn't it? Have you ever seen it? Like, I remember years ago, I was, I was taking some classes to further my theological education. And, and there was this one class, we were taking it kind of a, at a distance. So we were watching these DVDs, a class of us. And, and everything was good till we got to this one class. And there was this one lady who, a couple of the guys in the class just did not like her teaching style at all. And, you know, thought she, uh, you know, probably cried a little too much in her delivery. And I, I thought what she was saying was good, but pretty soon they started kind of mocking her and, and, and joking. And I found that even though I had no issues with this woman, even though I had been receiving something from her, these little seeds kind of got planted in my heart. And then pretty soon I'm joining with the whole crowd. Pretty soon it's like, we're just fast forwarding through her talk. I'm not taking any notes. I'm failing the test. And, and I'm thinking, I had absolutely no issue with this woman. How did that happen? It was grumbling and complaining. It's toxic. It's toxic to our relationship with God. On the one hand, it'll ruin your relationship with God. You start complaining and stuff and grumbling. It, it, it just, it's like, you know what we did this morning? We did this, this we call this praise and worship. We're, we're singing, oh, magnify the Lord. God, I want to thank you for a brighter day that you saved me. You're the king of all. Oh, how lovely is the Lord and all his glory. That's praise. We're, we're, part of the reason we do that is to reorient our lives around the reality that God's king. But you know what grumbling is? It's like inverted praise. It's the opposite of that stuff we did this morning. It's saying, God, where are you? <laughs> you don't care. I'm, I'm just a mess. I'm screwed up. There's just, this is the end. This is the Red Sea. I'm not going through. It's, it's, it's kind of taking your faith. You know, I heard somebody say this recently, that fear is really, fear and faith are, are kind of the same thing. It's just in different directions. <laughs> faith is is fear and i mean fear is faith in negative consequences and faith is 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 trust in god grumbling is toxic to us as individuals but you know what it's particularly toxic to community to, to community isn't it i mean i can't think of anything worse than grumbling and it can be it can be maybe you've worked at a business where people start grumbling you've seen how that's affected the workplace environment you get a few people that are like Man, our manager's such a jerk, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like all of a sudden, the whole workplace can get toxic. Because you know what? Grumbling's not fun to do on your own, is it? Grumbling seeks out other people. Let's invite some people over and have a grumble party. Because there's something about grumbling and complaining. We want to get other people on our side. You know, uh, there's a proverb that says, the words of a gossip... Are, are like tasty mor- morsels, but they get in your innermost being. You know, we think you can, you can just sit around and hear gossip and, you know, it's not going to do anything. But that stuff, it gets in you, doesn't it? It starts coloring your perception of things. Things you might not have had a care about before. You get around someone who's complaining and grumbling, and it infects you. 
And it's toxic in church. You know, I, I'm under no pretense that everybody in here agrees with me, and I'm okay with people who don't agree with me. I, I surround myself with some people that don't agree with me on everything. I think that's healthy. I'm, I'm, but, but if you've got a difference with me at this church, just talk to me about it. I'm, I'm available. You can ask me questions. You can say, I don't think what you were saying was true. That's great. Let's have coffee. Let's talk. But don't go find other people and say, man, you know, I, th- I, th- I think, you know, he's a heretic or, you know, whatever. I, I've seen people do the most ridiculous things when it comes to the community of believers. And I'm not, it doesn't mean we all have to just be yes men. No, that's not what we're looking for. But we're community. You know, Paul, if you look at the New Testament, Paul has to spend an awful lot of time writing to the Corinthians about unity. If you look at the, the book of 1 Corinthians, the, about the whole thing, <laughs> the one thing that continues from the beginning to the end is, is how important unity is. S- stop arguing. Stop getting your pride in there. Start co- stop complaining. Because Paul had this problem. He was planting churches all over the Mediterranean world. He would go in, start a church, get it up and running. He'd leave to go plant another church. But there were people that were popping up at every one of his churches. I, I actually read a good piece. One, one person thinks where, you know, there's a, a time where Paul talks about uh, a messenger from Satan, somebody that, that God pleaded, you know, take this thorn in the flesh away. I, I read a really good case recently where the guy said, these were people that were showing up at Paul's churches and they were spreading discord. They were, taking, they were trying to unravel everything he had done once he moved on. Oh, that Paul, you know, he's, he's, he's just, he's not a very good speaker. I think he's kind of off. I mean, he says he met Jesus in a vision. Yeah, whatever. Uh, this is the way you need to do it. And it just takes a few seeds of that to start spreading discord. Now, what's worse in our modern age is technology has kind of empowered us to complain in a whole new way, hasn't it? I mean, think about it. Corporations are, are now having to contend that, that normal human beings like you and I who wouldn't normally have a voice, now we can, you know, if we get bad service at a restaurant or on an airline, man, we can, we can go public with it. What was it? Last year there was a guy who, uh, a musician whose guitar got lost on Delta or, or maybe it got hurt or something. And so what, what happened? It was damaged. It was damaged. And I can sympathize with that. But what did he do? He writes a song about it and puts it on YouTube. And before you know it, in a couple of days, he's got millions of hits. And all of a sudden, Delta's like, oh, we're going to buy you a new guitar. We're going to... Uh, <laughs> this is a nobody. He, he's not a, a politician. He's not some CEO. He's just a musician. But now, complaining, you've got Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and... Uh, all these things, and you can, you, can, you can take your murmuring and complaining to new heights. I'm a blogger, and, and you know, part of blogging is you've got to be good at complaining. But you attract, you attract the, the grumblers, the discontent, the complainers. They show up on my blog, and, and they want to, you know, for a while there, I tried to take my posting, you know, I tried to just say, I'm going to let everybody just post whatever you want. And I was like, I did that for a little bit, and I'm like, I can't do that anymore because people get ugly, hateful. Grumbling, it's not going anywhere. It's not, I don't mind people asking questions if we're going somewhere with it, but if it's just to grumble and complain for the sake of grump, stop. It's toxic. 
sometimes I got to take a fast from reading blogs. I'm kind of on one of those right now because it's not the blogs that I read. It's the people who comment on them <laughs> that, that are, are toxic. So I want to look at a couple of things real quick. Why do we grumble? I think the first one is, is there's a spirit of entitlement that we all have. We have the spirit of entitlement. Isn't that what the, the Israelites had? You know, in, in a sense, they kind of thought that, hey, God set us free from Egypt, so we must be pretty special. You ever have God do something in your life, something miraculous, and you all of a sudden you think God's validating you? Like, oh, I must be doing something right. <laughs> you know, God really likes me. He's blessing me. There's a passage in Numbers, and I forgot to write it down in my notes, but God actually tells the, 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 the Israelites, he said, look, don't think that I chose you guys because you were the most mighty nation. You had it together. You were, you were so numerous and talented. I chose you to display my mercy. <laughs> I chose you to display my goodness. See, God likes taking foolish things to confound the wise. That's good news for a lot of us, right? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but still, we can feel this entitlement with God. Like, like we, we deserve a little bit more, God. Where are you? I mean, you know, why don't you answer? You know, God, like I said last week, he's not a tame lion. He's not at your beck and call. The Israelites back in the Old Testament and the ones in Jesus' day, they wanted a God that would conform to their every whim and expectation. They wanted a cosmic bellhop would be at their beck and call. Do this for me right now. And if you don't, I'm going to complain. <laughs> it's a spirit of entitlement. Let me let you in on something. You haven't got what you deserved. None of us has gotten what we deserve. We don't deserve the, the love of Jesus. We don't deserve the rescue, the forgiveness of our sin, the God who laid his life down so we could step in his kingdom. And it didn't end there. Like he's invited us to be. How cool is that? Anything else I get on top of that is lanyap. It's icing. It's, I'm just happy to be here. I don't deserve to be here. None of us do. It's just the grace of Jesus. I'm not entitled to anything. I've gotten more than I deserve. Much, much more than I deserve. And when I stay in that attitude, guess what? It, it opens me up to, to actually receive what, what God wants to do. I, see, when the, the, the Israelites grumbled and complained, it just it stopped what God was doing. <laughs> it got in the way. God's like, I brought you all the way out here into the wilderness. With all these miracles, I'm providing you manna. I'm leading you with a pillar of, of fire at night and a cloud during the day. It's like you, everything's taken care of. Don't you think that I'm going to meet your next need? Can't you trust me for that? Can't you trust that, that I've taken you this far? I remember when I'm teaching my kids how to s swim. And, and this happened with both of them. I, I would kind of get insulted sometimes. So, you know, we're at a pool. And I would ask my, my, my son Ezra to jump into me. And, and, and he'd be scared. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to drown, Dad. I'm going to drown. I don't want to. And I'd be like, really? I mean, you, you think that after all these years of making sure you've got food and clothing and a place to live and you're protected, you think that, that it's just all a big joke? Like, I'm going to ask you to jump off this diving board and I'm going to, <laughs> sucker. <laughs> like, you really think that? I, I would be kind of hurt by my kids. Like, I am going to catch you. 
I'm trying to teach you something here. Jump off that board and, and, and land in your dad's arms. Grumbling happens because we have a spirit of entitlement. Sometimes it happens because we're remembering the good old days. You ever find yourself remembering the good old days? The only problem is when we remember the good old days, we just remember the good. We forget all the other stuff. The Israelites had a problem with this. In, in Exodus 15, 1 through 3, they said this. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of sin. Kids, don't go to the desert of sin, okay? Which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after they come out of Egypt. So there's this two and a half months after they came out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses. That's like a million people. The whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Drama queens, right? (laughs) If only God had killed us. They're, they're sitting here remembering pots of meat. Oh, man, remember the meat pots of Egypt? Those were the good old days, man, two, two and a half months ago. Well, what they're not remembering, they're remembering the occasional pot of meat, but they're forgetting that, remember, you were slaves? You, you worked in the hot sun all day with a soldier at your back with a whip that that if you didn't produce enough bricks, you would get beat. You never had a day off. You you remember that part? (laughs) I I know it's it's tempting sometimes when you get into hard times to to reminisce about how things were. Oh, you know, maybe you go on Facebook and go, oh, I remember my old high school sweetheart. I wonder how it would have been. It seemed so good when we were back then, but it, it wasn't that good. (laughs) <laughs> the problem is when we get in that, that mode, we're, we're magnifying our appetites, our desire, but we're minimizing the consequences. We're minimizing the reality of what that would bring. And I, I was at a vineyard conference down in New Orleans this week, and, and I want to share something that one of the, the speakers said. Uh, he, he shared something from a pastor by the name, uh, an author, Randy Alcorn, who was a former pastor, and talking about when he's tempted to sexual sin. And everybody's going to be tempted to that in your life. And this is what he writes. He said, Whenever I feel particularly vulnerable to sexual temptation, I find it helpful to review what effects my actions could have. Grieving the Lord who redeemed me, dragging his sacred name into the mud, one day having to look Jesus, the righteous judge, in the face and give an account of my actions, following the footsteps of these people and he lists some names of ministers who immor- whose immorality forfeited their ministries and caused me to shudder, inflicting untold ner- hurt on Nancy, my best friend and loyal wife, losing Nancy's respect and trust, hurting my beloved daughters, Karina and Angie, destroying my example and credibility with my children and nullifying both present and future efforts to teach them to obey God. Why listen to a man who betrayed mom and us? If my blindness should continue or my wife be unable to forgive and perhaps 
unable to forgive, perhaps losing my wife and my children forever, causing shame to my family. Why isn't daddy a pastor anymore? Losing self-respect, creating a form of guilt awfully hard to shake. Even though God would forgive me, would I forgive myself? Forming memories and flashbacks that could plague future intimacy with my wife. Wasting years of ministry training and experience for a long time, maybe permanently. Forfeiting the effects of years of witnessing to my father and reinforcing his distrust for ministers that has only begun to soften by my example, but that would harden perhaps permanently because of my immorality. Undermining the faithful example and hard work of other Christians in our community, bringing great pleasure to Satan, the enemy of God and all that is good, helping judgment and endless dif- um, heaping judgment and endless difficulty on the person with whom I committed adultery, possibly bearing the physical consequences of STDs, bringing shame and hurt to these fellow pastors, and he lists a few, causing shame and hurt to these friends, especially those I've led to Christ and disciple, invoking shame and lifelong embarrassment on myself. Wow, all of a sudden it doesn't sound that great, does it? (laughs) You know, I I recently, uh, after I got back from our cruise, I realized I needed to lose some weight. And so I started this uh, Weight Watchers. And I've got this little app on my phone. And so I get a certain amount of points a day. It's kind of like a game, you know, like I, except the, the, the only bad thing is like the better you do with Weight Watchers, the less points they give you each day. So uh, that's not cool. But I start out the day. Right now I've, I've got 36 points that I'm allotted a day. A bowl of cereal with milk cost me about five points double cheeseburger cost me about 18 points so give you kind of perspective my appetites left to their own devices i'm hitting shrimp po boy every day cheeseburger i'm 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 uh, pizza i'm i'm eating it all fried food i'm i'm just i'm addicted to that uh just got a text message <laughs> but now that I'm having to weigh my own desires and appetites against this program. And it's not, nobody's forcing me into it. I don't have, I've just got to keep account. All I've got to do, and it's, I, I can break the rules. You know, I can, and there's been some days that I have. But at the end of the day, I've got to give an account. Just write it down. This is what your appetites look like today. And this is how you fed them. And I tell you, that thing, I've been doing it for two and a half months, but it's, it's, it's kind of changed my life. It's, it's made me realize how much I actually consume. <laughs> but it's keeping my desires in check. When we grumble and complain, we magnify our desires, but we minimize the cost, don't we? Oh, the pots of meat in Egypt. Oh, those were wonderful. I mean, by the way they're talking, it's like just a bunch of people sitting around an all-you-can-eat meat pot buffet, you know? Oh, man, Egypt, that's the place. It's not the place. that You were a freaking slave. A slave. One in 400 years of entrenched slaves. But the meat pots were good. Another reason we get into grumbling and complaining is a lack of perspective and perseverance. 1 Peter 1, 5 through 5-9 says this, For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. 
For if you possess these qualities increasing, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if any of you do not have them, you are nearsighted and blind, and you have forgotten that you have been cleansed from your past sins. Peter's saying, and I think this is one of the reasons we complain, we get nearsighted, we get blind. Peter's saying, it's not enough to just have faith. Add to your faith goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, love. When you start adding those things to your faith, you start to have a bigger view. <laughs> you see that, that you're in a story that is going somewhere. What did Jesus say? Where did Jesus say the story is going? He says it's going towards a day where you're resurrected. Let me give a little asterisk here. American folk religion has seeped into most of Christianity. And so the dominant theme that most people think that, that the whole point of salvation is, I need to accept Jesus Christ so I'll go to heaven when I die. The end of the story is not going to heaven. The end of the story is heaven coming to earth. We see at the end of Revelations, we see a new heaven, a new earth. What Jesus is talking about here is a day when we will be resurrected just like him. And we'll have bodies, like physical bodies, that are made for a new created world. We're not going to some place where we're going to sit on clouds and play harps. I'm sorry if that was your fantasy. If, that's what, if you were looking forward to that, maybe, maybe they can work something out. But that doesn't come out of the Bible. That came out of Tom and Jerry. I think I saw that episode when I was a kid. <laughs> Jesus is saying, this story, if, if, you, if you believe me, if, if God the Father has, has, has drawn you to me, the, the way this is going is that one day, even though you, you may die in the present, one day you will be resurrected to live in a world that is free from decay, sin, disease, a world where people live connected to God the way it was intended all the way back in the beginning of the Bible. When we start grumbling and complaining it it shows uh, that we're nearsighted we're only seeing what's right in front of us we don't see the big thing we don't see the big picture that's what happened to the children of israel all the time oh we're not going to get any water <laughs> and i can just see god up there like water was like one mile up you know like like i had a plant but where's our food i'm tired of manna <laughs> We need perspective. We need to see a bigger story than, than just our little myopic view of the world. And we need perseverance that when hard times come, we don't just give up. We don't just, you know, just start complaining. We don't start getting mad at God. We, we just realize that, hey, even the wilderness is part of the journey. And it is. The wilderness is part of the journey. Not our favorite part, but it is part of the journey. Finally, one of the reasons that we get into murmuring and complaining is we forget what God's done. You notice when they, they start murmuring and complaining, they remember pots of meat, but they forget like the Passover. <laughs> they forget all the miracles that God did, the, the parting of the Red Sea. Like you forgot that part? That seems pretty amazing. <laughs> we forget what God does. When you start forgetting what God does, it, 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 you just start grumbling and complaining. I, I love the clip that we saw earlier. You know, it's like, my phone, you know, it's going to space and back. 
The quickest path to idolatry and then to destruction is to stop being thankful. We see this all throughout the Exodus story. Every time the, the, the Israelites stop being thankful, stop worshiping God, stop thanking Him for His goodness, uh, it wasn't very long before they got into idolatry. Paul writes about this in Romans 1. He says, though they knew God, they weren't thankful. And because of that, they, they started worshiping created things instead of the Creator. And that's what happens to any of us. When you stop thanking God and, and, and trusting God and praising God, then, then it's, it's a very short time before you're going to get into idolatry. Moses is up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments. He's up there for longer than they had thought. So what do they do? They gather all their jewelry and they make a cow and they start worshiping a golden cow. Like within a couple of weeks. But it's not just them. It's us. When, I, when I'm not thankful to God, when I'm not remembering everything he's done, I can start worshiping money, my position. I can start worshiping my possessions, start getting my life and my reputation. I, 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 and and any time you get into idolatry, it crushes you and other people. The quickest path to idolatry is to stop being thankful. Psalm 103 says this. And I I just want to encourage you. Maybe you want to close your eyes while I read this. Just listen to these words. This is a Psalm of David. I would challenge you to read this Psalm every day this week and see if it doesn't change things. David was a guy who had ample opportunity to complain. And sometimes he complained, but he usually got around to praising God again. But he says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Sometimes you've got to tell your soul to bless God, don't you? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us nor keep His anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His mercy towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are just dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on all those who fear Him. And His righteousness to children's children's, to such as keep His covenant, and to those who remember His commandments to do them. The Lord has established His throne in heaven, and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you His angels, who excel in strength, who do His word, heeding His voice and His word. Bless the Lord, all you His host, you ministers of His who do His pleasure. Bless the Lord, all His works in all places of His dominion. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul. That's good stuff, isn't it? You, you start reading stuff like this, it'll change your life. Let that, read that in the morning when you get started. Read that before you go to bed at night. Let your, your, your mind chew on the things. Start remembering what God has done in your life. And all of a sudden, you begin stepping back under God's rule. Under his reign. See, the, the children of Israel, they, whether it's the Old Testament or the ones in Jesus' day, they weren't stepping under the rule of, of God as king. And if you want to live a complaining, grumbling existence, that's fine. But you're stepping out of God's rule when you do that. This morning, I want to close by singing a song of praise to God that's based on this psalm. So why don't you stand up, and I'm going to get the band back up here. Praise the Lord, oh my soul, praise Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul, praise the Lord, praise the Slow. 